Are you, uh, are you amazed sometimes at how good God is? And uh, I, I pray that you will never stop being amazed at the goodness of God. And isn't it, isn't it uh, interesting how sometimes in life, um, I think we all go through different, uh, obviously, uh, valleys and mountaintops, and there's times when we, uh, we forget or we fail to remember how good God is. And I think that's why it's very important for us as a church to come together every week. I think that's why it's important for you to make it a priority to be here at church, because uh, we help each other remember how good God is. And so I'm thankful for a great God this morning. Uh, and I'm going to invite you to turn to 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1. And uh, so the good and the bad, I guess, of just walking through a text is, is that, you know, sometimes you just have to preach what you get to, right? And so this week uh, we're talking about, well, well, last week, just kind of a, a way of review, we were talking about uh, the word that nobody in our culture wants to hear. And that word is submit, right? Can we just... Can we just get it out of the way together? I'm going to say the word submit. When I do, I want you just to groan. Could you guys do that? Are you guys, are you guys awake enough to do that with me this morning? All right, so ready? Submit. <laughs> we got one that can't follow rules, but that's good. Uh, when I think about, so last week, so every week we've used one word to kind of give us the title of the message. And so the first week was the word uh, chosen. So on your bulletin, you can just track with me here on, on your bulletin there. So the, this first word was chosen, that we have been as believers. Scripture is very clear that as believers, we've been chosen by God. He picked me. He picked you for his team. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? The creator of the universe wanted me on his team. Uh, the second one was faith, and, and we talked about the, the trials of faith, and, and that trials uh, allow us to understand, th- understand really two things about our faith. And on the other side of trials, we realize that faith, um, our faith is genuine. That's a blessing of trials. It's on the other side of getting through whatever that trial might be, that you realize that faith is genuine. The secondary blessing of that, and maybe the most important blessing, is that you realize that God is always faithful in trials, that His grace is always sufficient. And sometimes we, the truth is we really can't understand the sufficiency of God's grace until we need it. It's, it's kind of one of those weird things, like in order to really know how special and how deep and how uh, efficient and sufficient the grace of God is, you're, you're going to have to go through some deep hurt. To understand the grace of God, and, and, but that's a blessing on the other side of trials. The third week was purpose, and we, we talked about the fact that you were, you were created on purpose for purpose, for a purpose, that God created you on purpose for a purpose, and, and your purpose was to be built up together in a church, that God has placed you in a church, that you're supposed to grow up, you're supposed to be built up so that you can speak up of the greatness of of our God. Last week, this is the word we, we decided to use the word, I should say we, I decided to use the word unfair instead of the word submit um, because it just sounded better, right? It's better to complain about being unfair. And, and so we realized that as we walk through 1 Peter chapter 2, even though it was unfair, God has called us to submit to our authority, specifically in the first part of chapter 2, is talking about. Uh, government, we're to submit to the government, and then also that we're supposed to submit to our boss. 
And that's not always easy. Can I get an amen? To submit, even though it's not unfair. And then it closes out chapter 2. So turn with me, uh, if, if you're already in 1 Peter chapter 3, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to be in verse number 21. Verse 21, 1 Peter 2, 21. For to you this you were called. Okay, so we're called to submit. We're called to surrender. That's what he's talking about. He's already talked about surrendering to government, and he's already talked about surrendering uh, to your boss. We're called to service. We're called to submit. And then it goes on, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. So Jesus was our example to follow in this idea, this understanding of what it means to submit. Verse 22, he committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten or committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins, his own body, on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep gone away, gone astray, but now return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And, you, and so what, what Peter is saying here is that since Jesus was willing to humble himself, and since Jesus was willing to submit and to surrender to us for our salvation, Jesus was treated very unfairly. But because Jesus was treat, treated unfairly and hung on a cross, I can be treated unfairly and receive grace. So I'm glad God is not fair with me. Because the reality, everyone, so everyone in the room, you're in the same boat as me. You were born in sins, and what is fair is you deserve death. Paul is very clear in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He goes on in Romans 6.23 to say, the wages, the punishment for my sin, we've all sinned, my punishment, what I deserve, what is fair is I deserve death. And what it's literally saying there, death being eternal separation from God our Creator in a place called hell. So does anyone in the room want what is fair? In case you don't know, say no, right? And because Jesus was treated unfairly and because he was willing to humble himself, he became obedient to death, even the death on the cross that Paul said in Philippians, that he was treated unfairly so that I also could be treated unfairly and receive the gift of grace. Praise God for that. Understand that is the example. Jesus is the example as we go to chapter 3. And twice in chapter 3, in verse number 1, and I think it's number uh, 7, it has the word likewise. All right, so verse 1, chapter 3 says, wives likewise. Uh, chapter, uh, verse 7 of chapter 3, husbands likewise. And the reason I've read for you verses 21 through the following of chapter 2 is, is because that's what it's referencing. You know what we've said over and over, if you see a therefore, you've got to go back and see what it's there for, right? Well, that's the same thing with likewise. In other words, the way the example is, the way Jesus was willing to submit is also the way I should be willing to submit. He's talking specifically in the first few verses, six verses here, to wives. Okay, so women, he gives you six verses. Men, he gives us one verse. I don't know why. Probably because he knew we couldn't handle more than one. All right, I was waiting for some amens. I didn't know. Everybody gets quiet when you talk about it, right? Like, I don't know. All right, wives, verse 1, chapter 3. Wives, likewise, be submissive to our own husbands. 
that even if some of you do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Okay, so remember the context of 1 Peter. Peter is writing this letter to the early Christians, first-generation Christians, who have been scattered, both Jews and Gentiles, and they've been scattered because Nero's in charge, and Nero is a tyrant, and Nero is killing Christians. Remember, history would tell us that Nero burned down Rome, but he blamed the Christians because he hated the Christians, and therefore it gave him an opportunity to persecute and kill the Christians. A few years after Peter was going to write this letter to those Christians, he is martyred by Nero because he followed the way, what was known as the way. Right? So in this time period, Christians were known by two different words. One was they were first called Christians in Antioch, is what Acts tells us. They were also called the way. Okay? So why were they called the way? Anybody remember John 14, verse 6? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the people who were part of the way were followers of Jesus, and they believed the only way to get to heaven was through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And because of that, they were persecuted, and Rome uh, and Nero was really leading that persecution along with other Jewish religious leaders. So in this context, if you, if you study history, up until this point, women in, in this culture did not have any rights. They couldn't own property. They really couldn't do anything other than what a male told them to do. First it would have been their father. Then he would have given them to a husband, sold them into marriage. And then now they have a new boss. Okay, And, and so aren't you glad we're not a part of that anymore? So when Jesus came on the scene and Jesus preached a different way to treat women with respect and with honor and that God created women in his own image just as he did men— then guess what? Women really liked that story, really liked that teaching. Can you understand why? So there's a lot of believers, and it's not really much different than today, that there are, uh, statistics will say there's more women that are in church this morning than there are men. Okay? There's more women that are faithful to the Lord than there are men. That's just the reality of it. It shouldn't be that way, but that's the way it is. Women, you're better than us. Can I get an amen? All right? Take advantage of it when I say it, all right? So Peter is writing to Jews and Gentile, and particularly in these first few verses, to women who are now followers of Jesus, the way, Christians, and saying, by your conduct, those men you're married to who aren't following Jesus, they will follow Jesus. And so that's, he's going to kind of unpack that for us, all right? So verse 2, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, fear of the Lord. Verse 3, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. And, and so, again, just to dispel some confusion here, Peter is not saying, women, you can't dress up and wear makeup and look nice, okay? And, and all the men want you to wear makeup and dress up and look nice. Can I get an amen from the men? Amen. It's okay. It's good, all right? You guys were, like, really cautious, I know. I'm not setting you up, okay? Rather, let it be hidden person of the heart with incorruptible beauty, a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, I don't expect women, you don't call your husband Lord, whose daughter you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Verse 7, husbands, 
likewise. Again, the likewise is referencing that we're to submit to one another as Christ was willing to submit to the authority of God in his life. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all equal. One is not greater than the other. Do you understand that? And, and if you don't understand that, I want to encourage you, come on Wednesday nights. We're going through a foundation series of doctrine. Nathan and Pastor Dave have preached most of those, doing a great job. And talked, one week was all about the Trinity. If you want to catch up, go on the Hallmarks podcast and listen to that on the Trinity. And, and Nathan clearly understands, clearly articulates for us in that message that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one God, three in one, all equal, but all have different roles. And that's what Peter is saying here for the husband and wife. Equal, but different roles. Okay? Just like Jesus. So Jesus is the example. And what do we say? Jesus became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. He humbled himself. He submitted himself to the will of the Father. Remember in the garden, right before he was going to be crucified, right before he was arrested, and he surrendered, he submitted himself to the will of God the Father. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And that's what Peter is referencing here, that women are supposed to submit to their husbands. So that brings me to point number one here. Right, number one, in, in other words, this is going to be some advice, probably more for those of you who aren't married yet than those who are married. It may be late for you, right? Number one is choose wisely. Choose wisely. I, I tell people all the time, and especially I tell my daughter this, it's better to not be married than to be married to the wrong person. Okay, it's better, let me say it again, it's better not to be married than to be married to the wrong person. And that's not what culture is going to tell you, right? You need to hurry up and get married, right? You're not going to be complete until you're married. Er, wrong, okay? You are complete in Christ. You don't need, so this is going to be for both sides here. Men, you don't need a woman to be complete. Ladies, you don't need a man to be complete. If you're looking for a spouse to complete you or fulfill you or to fulfill your purpose in life, uh, wrong answer. Only God can, can take that role. If I marry someone expecting them to complete me, to fulfill me, then I've put a requirement on them that is never expected by God. God is my completion. I am complete in Christ. Okay, so choose wisely. Women, it's specifically, I would say, to you choose wisely because it's very clear in Scripture what the role is that Peter says here, wives, like Christ did, like Christ submitted to the Father, wives submit to your husband. So you have a choice who you're going to submit to. Once you say, I do, according to Scripture, you're to submit to your husband. So choose wisely. It, here, here's... Just some advice, and, and I guess I should be just kind of looking over in this general direction. If, ladies, if the man that you are dating is not leading you spiritually while you're dating, then just dump him. Okay? If he's not leading you in purity while you're dating, then just get rid of him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because what Scripture says, you, it's your choice until you get married. But once you get married, what does Scripture say? That you're going to submit to your husband. So choose wisely who you're going to submit to. Don't submit to an idiot. Amen. Right? Choose wisely. I, I'm still blown away that, that uh, my in-laws, um, 
So Joy and I, we celebrated 25-year anniversary this, like, two weeks ago. And, yeah, so I, I debated, I debated all day yesterday, well, really all week, on whether to bring 25 tulips to my wife because she hates to be called out or to brought any attention to her. And it just so happens this is a weird day this morning because she's sitting on the very back row today. And I was going to take the, you know, she always sits right there. And I was going to take him to her. Anybody want to know why she's sitting on the back row today? I kind of have to tell it now, don't I? I'm going to walk these back here, all right? Is that all right? I got to do it. All right, yeah, go ahead. Uh, unfortunately, there, uh, there was 25. It looks like one has fallen off. Maybe that represents the first year of our marriage. I'm not sure. Hey. And, yeah, give her, give her a hand. She deserves a hand. So, the reason she was on the back row was on that last song, I looked, turned around to look for my Bible, and it wasn't there, along with my iPad and my notes. I don't know, where, you, where did you find them? Where was it? Where were they? At the Welcome Center. So, she found my notes. Can I get an amen for that? I don't usually use a purple Bible. It's hers. <clears throat> was anybody wondering that? Anybody wondering why I had the purple Bible? I don't know. I, I'm not even going to open my notes at this point because I'm nowhere near them, and I'll just be confused. So we celebrated 25 years, and I'm thinking about, um, I was 19 when we got married, and Joy had just turned 20. And I remember talking to her parents, and I was really brave. I, I sent her first to talk to her parents. <laughs> like, soften the blow a little bit here. Uh, we, so we met in September and started dating in September, and, and at Thanksgiving, we told our parents we were going to get married. And we got married in July, the 31st. Like, that was pretty quick. You guys think I'm an idiot. I see it all over your face. And I, I always thought, like, how did, uh, how did her parents not talk her out of it? And, how did my, and then I realized as I got older, my parents thought, there's no way you're going to do any better. If you've conned her into this, you better hurry up. Like, put a ring on it, right? And so I say, women, I'm not sure if Joy chose wisely. I know I chose wisely. Choose wisely. Because what Scripture says is once you get married, you need to submit to your husband. And, and husband, that's not an open ticket to be the word for the day seems to be idiot, okay? It's not, it's not an open end for you just to do and to lord over your wife, okay? Number two, choose wisely. The second one is, is to pursue true beauty. And this, this, again, I think goes both ways. Women, it's for you. It talked here in the text about uh, don't just adorn yourself. So it's okay to, to dress up and to look nice, all throughout Scripture, we don't really give instructions on exactly what to wear. It just says be modest in what you wear. But the point of it was not about really talking about what these women were wearing as much as what their inside is like. Are they pursuing outward beauty only or are they pursuing Christ? And so it's a, a, a warning and, and an understanding to women Pursue Christ and work on your inner beauty more than your outer beauty. 
It would also be then for us as men, we should not pursue a lady who is more concerned about her outer beauty than her inner beauty. So you understand the warning is, is there's two sides of this coin, that ladies, it's okay to look nice and it's okay to, to better yourself, and men, the same goes for us. But what's the most important thing? Remember when they, they put all of David's brothers and, and uh, Samuel went to pick the king, and he's like, oh, the biggest, the tallest, the strongest. That's, that's probably who God wants to be the king. And remember what God told Samuel? No, that's not him. You look on the outward appearance, but I look on the heart. And, and so as we choose, ladies, as you choose wisely, pursue Christ. Don't pursue a man. Men, as you choose wisely, choose someone who's pursuing Christ. And you also should pursue Christ. All right, so let's move to number three. Choose wisely, pursue true beauty. And number three, men, we're going to get to you. Lead with honor or else. Lead with honor or else. So to be honest, one of the reasons that I struggled um, to decide whether I should give my wife flowers in front of you is because that's not, like she doesn't want people to draw attention to herself. Nothing about her wants to be on the stage or wants me to say how great she is, even though she is. And so I actually struggled with it. And I, and I called um, some great advice in this morning. I called my brother, of all people. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, I got this idea. What do you think? He's like, oh, I don't know. Well, you're no help. He finally said, go for it. And that's when I was sitting in the parking lot. I'm like, all right, here we go. And the reason is, so there's four things that this scripture mentions. Four things in this text that mentions men that ways we can honor her and that we can lead uh, with honor. And so th- these are not in your, in your bulletin, but I want you to write them down on the side of the bulletin there, or maybe in, I have them written in my Bible. It says, Husbands, verse 7, likewise dwell with them. And this, this may seem uh, like an oversimplification, but number one here would be, so physically, in our culture, men, we spend way too much time not at home. We, we are trying to provide and get all the latest whatever greatest or working on our hobbies or whatever it might be, and we're just absent fathers. So what Peter is saying is dwell, be, be at home. You know, before I had kids, I was really good at golfing. I golfed at least twice a week before we had kids. Since I've had kids, I really am not very good at golf anymore. Instead of golfing twice a week, you know how often I golf? Maybe twice a year. Once a year, it's, it's with Terry for the Mana Tournament. Thanks for inviting me, Terry. Appreciate that. Why? Because there's, I, I need to set some priorities. That I need to be at home. If I'm going to honor my family, I've got to be there. So he's, it's very simple, right? This is very practical. Just physically dwell with your wife, dwell with your spouse, dwell with your family, be home. Our, they, they say, statistics say that, that couples spend less than 37 minutes a week together in conversation. Less than 37 minutes a week in conversation. Men, if that's your home, then you are not leading your wife with honor. Be home. The second one, again, this is very simple, very practical. Dwell with them 
with understanding. The only thing that came to my mind when I was reading this is like, don't be a homer, right? Dwell with understanding. And this is the part where I really struggled this morning on whether I was going to present those flowers or not. Because I understand that's not necessarily what my wife would want. And I'm, I'm convinced that most of us men, we don't really know our wives that well. To know them intellectually, physically, intellectually. Understand who they are. I recommended this book for you a few weeks ago when I was talking about uh, parenting, I think. And, and I'll recommend it again, The Five Love Languages. That you ought to get the book and read it. Uh, if you want to Google Five Love Languages quiz... It'd be a great date for you and your spouse. Just go online and take the quiz together or take it separate and, and figure out what your love language is. Okay, how many of you already know what your love language is? Very few of you. How many of you know what your spouse's love language is? Okay, raise your hand. How many of you know what your spouse's love language is? Okay, I was just curious if, if it was mostly women, but it's not. How many of you know what your kid's love language is? Okay, you can't love your spouse as well as you could if you don't know it. I'm just going to, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. Google Love Languages Quiz, Five Love Languages Quiz, all right? It, the book is by Gary Chapman. Know them intellectually, and then this kind of leads into the number third one, emotionally. Giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. So we want to give honor to them physically, intellectually, emotionally, and most importantly, let's keep reading, it says, in being heirs together of the grace of life. That's, that's a powerful statement in this culture that Peter's writing to. Do you see what it says? And as being heirs together, husband and wife, heirs together. Who are we, who are we or what are we heirs of? Joint heirs with who? Christ. But in the context that Peter's writing, could a woman be an heir of anything? The answer is no. In that culture, she couldn't own anything. She could not be the heir of anything. What, what is Peter referencing here? Believers, joint heirs with Christ. That's a powerful statement, more powerful to them than it may be to us when we think about it. What, what, what's the warning here? There's, there's, two, there's a warning in this last statement. There's also an assumption. So, men, to lead your, your spouse with honor is to lead them physically, intellectually, emotionally. And the fourth one, then, is spiritually. So look at the last statement here on the screen, that your prayers may not be hindered. So there's an assumption here that what's taking place? What's taking place? What's the assumption? Prayer. The assumption is, men, you are leading your wife your family spiritually in prayer. And unfortunately, in our culture, I don't think it happens, I know it doesn't happen near often enough. That men, you need to lead your home spiritually. And so there's an assumption here that we're, we as men are going to lead our home spiritually. It also comes with a warning. If we don't lead our home spiritually, and if we don't honor our wife intellectually, and these things we've listed... If we don't serve and submit to our wife like Jesus served and submitted to the God the Father, what is the warning at the last part of the verse? Your prayers are going to be what? Hindered. 
If I, as a husband, do not lead my wife and honor her as God has asked me to do and God has commanded me to, then it affects my spiritual life. Again, it goes back to both husband and wife. Every, almost every wedding I've ever done, I'll stand up there and what, what they're assuming you're about to say before, as you perform the wedding is, uh, John, do you know the greatest, most important relationship in your life is today? Joy, do you know who the greatest, most important relationship that you need to invest in today is? It's not each other. It's who? Christ. And for me as a husband, if I pursue Christ with everything I have, then I can lead my wife like I'm supposed to. If my wife pursues Christ with everything she has, then through the power of God, she can submit to me like she's supposed to. Men, I'm going to be harder on you because I'm one of you. We need to lead better. You may be doing great, but you need to do better. Is there always room for improvement? Yes. Lead our wives, our homes, our families, ourselves to know and love Christ more every day. And if we do that, our relationships will be like God wants them to be. 25 years of marriage, I'm blown away that I'm that old. I'll just be honest with you. This has been a rough year for me, okay? My my youngest turned 18 and graduated high school. Our oldest turned 21, celebrated 25-year anniversary, and I turned 45. All those things say one one word. (laughs) I, I don't need you to tell me. I mean, we could take a poll on your age and it'll get you up here. No, you're right. I'm getting older because age is all relative, right? I'm getting older. And as I get older, I want to get closer to God. And I want to be a better husband. And I want to be a better father. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better leader. And the only way I can do that is pursue Christ. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? And, and I want to challenge the men in here this morning. I want to challenge you singles in here this morning. If you're not pursuing Christ more than you're pursuing other things or other people, then I want to encourage you this morning. In a moment, we're going to have a time of of response. We're going to sing a song of worship. You have an opportunity to come forward and pray. And I'm going to challenge you to do that this morning. Men, maybe what you need to do this morning is you need to, to grab a hold of your wife's hand and you need to walk her down here to the aisle and you need to do something that hadn't happened in a while. You need to lead her in prayer. Or maybe you need to just grab her hand this morning and do what you already did this morning and you you already knelt down and prayed with her and you can do it again. Maybe you're single this morning and you just need to come down this morning and and reevaluate, refocus and say, God, 
I'm going to pursue you more than a relationship. Maybe you're a student this morning and, and you're in a bad relationship that's not honoring to God and, and maybe you need to come and confess that to the Lord and dump that idiot. God doesn't want anything to steal His priority and His glory. God, we thank you for this day. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us as individuals, help us as couples to put you first in our life, to pursue you, help us men to be the leaders that we need to be. Lord, I I pray for those ladies in here that may be married to someone who is either not a believer or not walking close with you that you would give them strength to continue to pursue you, just as this text said, Lord, that by their conduct, by their testimony, by their faithfulness to you, their husbands would be drawn to a relationship with Christ. But give them strength, Lord. Give them courage. Give them boldness. Give them grace. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing a familiar song. I think it's familiar to most of you. That says, it's just an awesome message. I need thee. I need thee every hour. If God's, if God's spoken to you this morning, don't just sit there and think about it. Come forward and do something about it. But let's worship together this morning.